You know, one of the greatest paradoxes of uh, human nature is our simultaneous longing for a father figure and our rejection of it. We all long for a father figure. We long for someone to cover us, to protect us, to guide us. And yet, we so also want to live life on our own terms. We want to be successful by ourselves. Isn't that true? It's an, it's an irony how we yearn for a father figure and at the same time, how we also reject such father figures. When it comes to biological fathers, uh, there is always the good, the bad, and the ugly. And let me assure you that's true of biological mothers and biological children as well. So we are all on the same boat. There's always the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, while there is the good, the bad, and ugly when it comes to our biological father, we all know that the only perfect father is, of course, God himself. So at some level, we can explain the rejection of, a, of earthly father figures. We can explain that because none of them are perfect. None of us are perfect. But today I'm, I'm hoping to help us see how and why so often we also reject God as our father. So many times in our lives, each of us, we also reject God himself as our father. And I'm hoping to really uh, unpack that for us today. I'm preaching from a very familiar parable today. Even if you're not a Christian, even if you've never been to a church, even if you've never read the Bible before, you've probably heard of this parable. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. I've requested Alice to read it out for us. The verses are going to come up on screen uh, in just a minute. Uh, we are uh, reading from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 22. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 22. And uh, Alice will read it out for us. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you, Alice. Thank you. Read our Bible verses taken from uh, chapter, Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 22. Uh, the parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country and then squandered his wealth while living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizen of the country who sent to him his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pots that the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be, to be called your son. 
make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. This is the word of God. Amen. <clears throat> Just one sec. I'll bring it back up. Let's just take a moment to pray before we dive into the sermon. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are our father. You reveal your, yourself to us as our father. You give yourself to us as our father. We thank you. We pray, Holy Spirit, uh, even as we reflect on this truth. Spirit of God, you are the one who comes and as the word says, as your word says in Romans 8, you enable us to cry out of our Father. So this morning we are praying that we will go beyond mere knowledge that God is our Father. And we will grow in our experience of God as our Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'd like to draw three things for us from this passage. First, uh, how the younger son rejected the father. Second, why he rejected the father and how we too reject our father. And last, learning to enjoy God as our father. How the younger son rejected the father. Why he rejected the father and why we too reject God the father sometimes and learning to enjoy God as our father. Let's look at the first thing. How the younger son rejected the father. In this parable, the younger son approached the father twice. Both times he addressed him as father, but sadly, both times he actually rejected his father. When the younger son called out father, it was not a call of relationship. It was a cry of rejection. Look at verse 12 first. The younger son said, father, such an endearing term, father, and then he goes on to say, give me my share of the estate, right? And so that itself is a rejection of the father. The younger son only wanted his inheritance. He did not want the father. He wanted provision. He wanted blessing. He wanted freedom and the resources to live life as he wanted. He called to him as father, but only to walk away from the father. This was a cry of rejection. This is not just a parable. This is also a reality in our lives so many times. Don't we all go to our Heavenly Father so many times for the sake of what He can give us without really investing anything in our relationship with Him? Of course, we ask God for all kinds of things. We ask Him for success in our careers, and these days we ask him for job security. We ask him for good health for ourselves and, and our families. None of this is wrong. But if our relationship with our Heavenly Father is only about asking these things and then just moving on, 
okay, without really investing in anything in our relationship with Him, isn't that a subtle rejection of God, our Father? When was the last time we really had an alone moment of worship, an alone moment of, of communion with God as our, our Father? What is the nature of our relationship with God as our Father? Is that is it merely transactional? Or would you define that as a, as a highly uh, relational uh, engagement? I'm personally convicted uh, of this myself too. You know, the pressures and the temptations of ministry uh, can force us into a very transactional relationship with God. Now, I do have relational moments with him, but come to think of it, they're not as frequent and as intimate as they ought to be. Look at verse 13 here in the passage that we read. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. The younger son got the father's blessings, wealth, and provision. He got everything he wanted, and then he went to a distant country. This is not just geographical distance here. In the heart of the younger son, an emotional distance with the father, from the father, had already developed before the geographic, geographical distancing happened. And in some ways, all of us, we also emotionally distance ourselves from God, our father. You know, some of us, we've perfected uh, this, this fine art of being uh, just close enough to God to receive his blessing and yet not close enough to him to receive, to heed to his calling or to obey what he asks us to do. We, we play this game really well. Um, come just close enough to make sure we don't lose his blessing. We, we don't want that. We're afraid. Uh, we don't want to lose his blessing. So we come just close enough not to lose his blessing not close enough to obey all that he says. Isn't this true of all of us? This is true of you. It's true of me. It, it just a degree varies, but it is true of all of us. And this is a fine art, uh, you know, coming to church just enough, reading the Bible, just enough, praying just enough when we are in desperate need. And once our Father blesses us, uh, then to slip away quietly and conveniently. We all do that. The younger son in the parable was not as crafty and as subtle as us. He was pretty brazen uh, in his rebellion. He didn't bother with these niceties or uh, subtleties. He rejected the father in his rebellion. That's the first rejection. He rejected the father in his rebellion. Second, the younger son rejected the father even in his repentance. Look at verses 17 and 18. When he came to his senses, the younger son, younger son said, how many of my father's servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Look at this passage. Why did the son return to the father? He returned because he didn't have food to eat. He was starving to death. And he knew his father's servants had plenty of food. So he goes back for food. Again, I think that should sound familiar. That will sound familiar to 
to most of us. We all walk away from God. We all build an emotional, emotional distance between us and God. But don't we all come running back to God, our Father, at the first sign of trouble in our lives? And isn't it true that we come back not because we love him, but we come back because God can solve so this younger son, he look at his look at the words of his repentance. He's not coming back because he's loved his father. He's coming back because he has no food to eat. Why did the younger son really come back? Did he come back for food or did he come back for his father? It's pretty obvious he came back for food. And so in coming back for food, in coming back to his father, he is actually rejecting his father all over again. The younger son rejected the father even in his repentance and even in his return. And look at verse 19. That's what he says. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your higher servants. Look at this. Who is rejecting who here? Is the father rejecting the son because he sinned? Not at all. Look at the father's response. The father runs to the son when he returns. He puts his hand around him. He kisses him. He puts the best robe on him. He puts a ring on him. And he throws a party to celebrate the return of the last son. Lost son. Now, did the son, did the father reject the son? Not at all. Did the son reject the father? Yes. Even though the father received the son as a son, the son here is saying, I don't want to come back as a son. I'll come back just as a servant. And I'm going to unpack this a little bit more. Where I'm going to help us see that this is not real humility, but this is an actual rejection of grace. I'll come to that in a minute. But for now, can you see the irony here? The sinner is rejecting the one he sinned against, even though the latter is forgiving freely. Hey, Think of our rejection of God. So often we sin and, and we reject God, even though he's willing to forgive us. And rather than come running to him, we walk away from him. Allow me to show you a big gap here. Can you see the gap between how much the father celebrates the sonship with the younger son and how little the son himself is enjoying it. This really is a central idea of the sermon. We don't enjoy God, our father, as much as he celebrates us as his children. We underestimate the absolute assurance of God's fatherhood over us. And this is how we are re actually rejecting God as our Father. That brings us to the second thing I'd like to draw for us from this passage. Why did the Son reject the Father, His Father? And why do we reject God, our Heavenly Father? It's a simple reason, really. When the younger son in the parable went back to the Father, he did not expect to be embraced by the Father. He did not even imagine that. He did not expect the Father to kiss him. The younger son did not expect the tender warmth of grace 
he expected perhaps a cold welcome. Sinclair Ferguson, a, a, a theologian and an author, puts it beautifully in his book, Children of the Living God. This is what he says. The reality of the love of God for us is often the last thing in the world to dawn upon us. As we fix our eyes upon ourselves, our past failures and our very present guilt, it seems impossible to us that the father could love us. The younger son felt it was impossible for the father to love him for all that he had done. The younger son could not enjoy his sonship because he did not enjoy grace. Grace was unbelievable to him. Grace was beyond his imagination. He just could not believe that his father was truly gracious enough and would forgive him and accept him as his son again after all that he had done. As I said, there's more to this. We could assume that the son was just being humble and, and repentant and saying, Father, I, I'm coming back. I, I don't, I'm not worthy to be your son. Would you please just take me as a servant? It, it sounds humble. But, but let, me, let me help us see that the son is actually not humble here. He is actually proud. Read between the lines. The son is not asking for forgiveness. The son is merely asking for another chance to prove himself by his good behavior. What do you think the son meant when he said, let me be a servant? He's saying, from here on, father, from now on, I will be good. From now on, I will prove myself to you by being a good servant. The son is actually relying on his good works. He is relying on his good intentions, saying, from tomorrow, I'm going to be a good man. Uh, from tomorrow, Father, just give me a chance to be a servant. From tomorrow, I'm going to be a good, good woman. The son is actually rejecting grace and forgiveness. And he wants to pay the father back. And he wants to prove himself. Give me one more chance, Dad as a servant, and I'll prove myself. This is not repentance. This is not humility. This is pride. The son here is actually preferring works over grace. And this is what drives us away from the father the most. We want to earn it ourselves rather than depend on his grace and mercy. Let me say this, how well we are relating to God as our father is the best measure of how much we're truly enjoying grace. How well, let me repeat that, how well we are relating to God as our father, that's the true measure of how well we're really enjoying grace. Sadly, the son doesn't feel that way at this point in time. Look at verse 19 again. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of his hired servants. The son is actually saying, I don't want a father and son relationship. I'm happy with just a boss subordinate relationship. I'll prove myself, pay me my salary. You know, let's call it equals. This is works. Some of us 
when we come to this place where we realize that we messed up, we've sinned, and we're not worthy, rather than go to the Father and ask for his forgiveness, we try to prove our worth. And how do we do that? We prove our worth by turning and pursuing ambition, selfish ambition, or career success, or a romantic pursuit, or perhaps sexual release, or perhaps the comfort and pleasure of money to make ourselves feel better momentarily. We know we are unworthy. We know we've sinned. But rather than come to the Father in humility and ask Him for forgiveness, we go away by ourselves and turn to these things, shopping maybe, turn to these things to just make ourselves feel better about ourselves momentarily. I want to go back and ask this why question again. Why do we reject God as our Father? Why do we reject grace? Deep down, we know that if we accept and receive grace, we cannot live life as we please. We know that deep down. We know that if we embrace a father who gave his son to die for our sins on the cross, if we receive such a father, we know that we have to give ourselves back to him just as he gave his son to us. Let me say that. Let me repeat that. If we embrace a father who gave his son to die for us, then we have to give ourselves fully to him just as he gave his son to us. Verse 30 in the passage we read, we didn't read the entire chapter, but verse 30 in the chapter tells us that this son, younger son, squandered all his money on prostitutes. Why do you think this younger son went to a faraway land to squander all his money on prostitutes? Were there no prostitutes in his land? Were there prostitutes only in a faraway land that he had to go there to squander his money? The son knew that even if he had the wealth to spend the money on prostitutes, he knew he couldn't do it in the presence of his father. You see, we cannot live as we please until we first reject the father. That's what's happening to the younger son. And this is so true to all of us. We know that we cannot be in the father's presence and completely idolize our work and neglect everything else. We know that we cannot live, dwell in the Father's presence and and just save and spend all our money on ourselves and give nothing to nobody. We cannot be in the Father's presence and continue to enjoy the pleasures of sin that we so love. Which is why we reject our Father and go to an emotionally distant land so that we can live as we please. It's, it's deliberate. It's intentional. This is why we reject grace. This is why we reject God as our Father, so we can live as we please. That brings us to the last thing that I'd like to close with. If this is how simple we are, if we are calculating, and I'm speaking for all of us, myself first, if we, we've perfected the fine art of 
of just being in his presence just enough to earn his blessings and then run away. Or if we've perfected the fine art of just completely emotionally distancing ourselves from our father so we can go away and live as we choose, as we please, and indulge in the sins that we please. If we've perfected that fine art, what hope do we have? If we have hardened our heart so much, what hope do we have? If we have become so cold and so calculative and so manipulative with God, our Father, what hope do we have? How can we learn to enjoy God as our Father? How do we overcome these sinful inclinations within us and learn to lean on God as our Father? How do we go from rejecting the Father in so many subtle ways to really embracing the Father? It's a very, very simple answer. And the answer is right here in the parable. You know, the theology of this parable is very simple, extremely simple. I I can sum it up in just only three words. I can sum up the entire theology of this parable in only three words. And here are the three words. Just show up. Just show up. Just reach out to the Father. Look at the younger son in this parable. His repentance was shallow. He didn't come back because he loved his father. He came back manipulating his father so he could be a servant and have the food he wanted. We've already seen that he rejected the father in his rebellion. We've seen that he rejected the father in his repentance. We've seen that he's rejected his father in his return. But he still showed up. Did the father critique his shallow repentance? Did the father condemn him? Did the father condemn him for all the bad that he did? Did the father remind him of all the bad that he did? Did the father hesitate or was he half-hearted in welcoming his son back? No, not at all. The father hugged him. He kissed him. He put his best robe on him. He gave him a ring and he threw a party. Just show up. Just show up. You may come to the Father with wrong motives. You may come to the Father with selfish reasons. You may come to the Father with with shallow repentance. Just show up. Just show up. So often, when we know we are sinning, when we know we have done wrong, we go away from God our Father thinking, We'll fix it ourselves. We'll become a better person. We'll get rid of all these sins. We'll get rid of all these bad things we're doing. We'll become a better person and then we'll come back to God. That's what we tell ourselves. That's what I tell myself. You and I, we can never fix our sin on our own. Just show up. We keep saying this all the time. When sin reigns darkest, Grace shines brightest. Just show up in the darkest depravity of your sin. Remember, remember that the Father has already given up 
his beloved son Christ Jesus as the atoning sacrifice for all of your sins and mine. Remember that Jesus has already been punished for all of your sins and mine. When, why then, when all sin is fully atoned for by the death and resurrection of Jesus, why then will the Father not forgive us? Why are we running away trying to fix it a little bit before we come back to the Father? No, we need to come running back to the Father in the worst of our sinfulness. I'm going to say something in closing. Hear me out. Please don't uh, misunderstand me and, and uh, uh, misunderstand what I say or interpret what I say as a license to sin. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm sure you'll, you'll get that. It's a simple thing. You don't even have to repent to show up. You don't even have to repent to show up. Did the younger son repent fully when he came back? Not at all. There was no repentance. He was just hungry. That's it. But imagine the scenario with him. Imagine the scenario. This, the son is coming back and he's kind of, you know, he's so guilty. So many thoughts are playing. And, and, and we know, we can see, I don't know if he realized it or not. He knows the repentance is not real. It's very shallow. He's just coming to make sure he doesn't die. He doesn't starve to death. And he comes. And then when he's nearing the home, his heart is kind of beating. He's kind of feeling guilty. He's wondering, should I just go back and die? Should, should I even go to my father? What would my elder brother think of me? What do the servants think? Uh, will the father shut the door on my face? Uh, he, all these thoughts. And he comes. And as he nears his home, he sees his father come through running to him. The father comes running and, and hugs him and, and kisses him, puts his arm around him. In that moment, in his father's arms, do you think the younger son repented? Absolutely yes. I absolutely believe that when the father threw his arms around this, this guilty son and kissed him, kissed him in that moment in his father's arms was when the younger son would have really repented. You see, sometimes we need to be forgiven first before we can really repent. We need to be forgiven first before we can truly repent. The younger son could not have repented before being forgiven. Because only when he was forgiven and forgiven with an embrace and a kiss, it was only then that he could repent. Even repentance is a response to our father's love. Even repentance is a gift, just like grace. Let me say one more thing. Real repentance Real repentance happens only in the Father's presence, not away from Him. So if you're thinking, I've sinned, I've messed up, I'm going to repent, I'm going to get my life together, I'm going to get my act together, then I'm going to come to the Father. Let me tell you, you're never going to repent. Real repentance happens only in the Father's presence. So we need to come to the Father. And as I close, I hope you don't forget these three simple words ever in your life. And I hope, 
I don't forget these three simple words ever in my life. Just show up. Your sins and all, the mess, the bitterness, the lust, the jealousy, the greed, just bring it all. Just show up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Father's love. What love is this, Lord? What kind of love is this that would forgive us first, even before we have repented? And Lord, we repent, Lord. Lord, I repent. We repent that we continue to be in that faraway land. Today, Lord, right now, Holy Spirit, help us to come running back. We pray this, Lord, not just for those of us on the call today. We pray for those of us who would even listen to the sermon later. Even as they listen to this online later, Holy Spirit, would you move in all of our hearts, Lord. Lord, may your word just bring us running back to the Father. Help us, Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit, to just show up. To just show up. Help us, Holy Spirit. We cannot do this by ourselves. Even this is your grace. Help us, Lord. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.